0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly
1: presents the Oxford Exxon podcast.
0: I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something that you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome
2: to a special edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast from Nashville. SEC Media Days is going on here in Nashville. Today on this OEP Extra, talk to John Neighbors. the buzz out of Little Rock. We talk all things Arkansas as the Razorbacks get ready for their appearance at SEC Media Days on Wednesday. Talk about the uh, Razorbacks season a year ago. New coordinators uh, going into a fourth season for Sam Pittman in Fayetteville. Before we do that, I want to tell you that my coverage from Nashville is brought to you by Hillco Insurance. Do you hate losing games? Do you hate losing players? Do you hate paying for your insurance? If you said yes to any of those questions, Davy Ferris can help. Davy is partnered with the Grove Collective and will be donating 20% of all commissions and 10% of all renewals on both personal and commercial insurance policies. Davy and Hillco Insurance are sponsoring RebelGrove.com's and MPW Digital's coverage of SEC Media Days from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Davy can service customers in all 50 states, and he's dedicated to making sure Ole Miss athletics succeeds in this era of college sports. So contact Davey Ferris at 214-715-7247 or via email at dferris, that's D-F-A-R-R-I-S, at Hillcoinsurance.com. Now here's John Neighbors of 103.7 The Buzz from SEC Media Days in Nashville. John John Neighbors. 1037, the buzz out of Little Rock, kind enough to spend some time with us here. Uh, we'll talk about the Hogs and some other stuff in a minute, but uh, first, welcome to the show. It's good to be on, man. How you doing? I'm good. I told you, I, I've listened to you some over the last few years as I, I've tried to get a little more conversant at times when I'm hanging out with my girls, friends, or their parents or whatever, because they're all Arkansas people, and obviously I'm covering Ole Miss, and I'm, we're not from Arkansas and that kind of thing, and so I, I Saw you on Twitter and started listening to you some and kind of became a fan. I appreciate it,
1: man. Yeah, I've, uh, it's been fun just kind of talking about Arkansas, growing up in Arkansas myself and growing up a Razorback fan, going to the U of A, and now I get to talk about them for a living, you know, with a radio show and a podcast. So I
2: mean, what could be better than that? All right, let's talk about Arkansas a little bit. Uh, I know they don't come here till Wednesday, but uh, they're, they're one of the, the teams that no one's really talking about with SEC West. Everyone's talking about, uh, obviously, Alabama and LSU and, Texas A&M and, to some degree, Ole Miss, and then nobody's really talking about the Hogs. Uh, why do you think that is?
1: Well, I think that there's just not a whole lot of drama, which I'm not saying drama in a bad way or a good way. It's just the storyline's not necessarily there where there's been some sort of big change or big year for this coach because he may get fired. Like There's just it, – it's been where people like Sam Pittman. He's not a guy who's going to come in here and throw shots at people or, or crack jokes and become viral. they got KJ Jefferson coming back, and I think people – believe he's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, but he's been in the league for a while now, so he's not, you know, gonna be this new quarterback coming in. Uh I know the defense has got some changes there and they made some changes at coordinator, but I just don't think that they're a team, at least in the SEC West, comparatively speaking, that have some sort of major storyline going on with it. Which again, it's not a bad thing. It's just they they've had the same coach, got the same quarterback, got a great running back at Rocket Sanders, and they don't make a lot of noise when it comes to things they say and do. So other teams do all those things, and Arkansas is just kind of
2: left, left on their own little island there. So let's go there because it, it's funny. When Sam Pittman got off to a good start at Arkansas, a lot of people looked at him and said, you know, here's this offensive line coach, and, you know, he, he's, he's kind of an all-shucks guy. And, and they gave the credit to his coordinators. They were like, well, this is because of Barry Odom. This is because of Kendall Bryles. As soon as those guys are gone, he's going to fall off the map. Those guys are gone. He's replaced them with uh, Dan Enos, Travis Williams. What do you expect from those guys as, as coordinators? How will they look schematically different? And is this sort of the litmus test for Sam Pittman to a degree? I think so. I think there's an element to that, especially
1: with uh, Dan Enos, who of course was at Arkansas previously and really did a good job at quarterback development with Brandon Allen. You know, took him from being just an average SEC quarterback to a really good one. And, you know, Pittman's got a guy with a lot of connections. He knows what a championship SEC team looks like. He was at Georgia. He had success there. And uh, I know that he's trying to build it and he's also learning as he goes along with it, too. So Like there's a few things that I feel like he has done as far as hiring and as far as letting his guys and his coaches be there. I think there's a good reason why he's handling it the way he is. But I also think that with Enos and even with Williams, who I think is a much better recruiter than Barry Odom, he he knows what his team needs right now. They need like he knows KJ needs a quarterback developer with a Dan Enos. He knows that his defense needs better players better personnel he knows they need those guys and that's why I feel like with Pittman and these new hires they're going to take a step forward and be improved this year
2: Pittman kind of hinted last year at times that the culture wasn't great inside the locker room not that it was toxic or anything but saw whole Miss a little bit so many new faces out of the portal sometimes it's hard to get synergy that way Uh, Pittman seemed to indicate that was an issue for Arkansas and some of those close losses and how they rebounded or didn't rebound from them. What do you think he's learned from that? Well, I think that
1: he's learned that there's a lot of times where if you don't really pay attention to the details of each and every player and each and every coach and what they're doing and how they're doing it, then those are the types of things that can happen. I think that was a great learning lesson for Sam Pittman. It's unfortunate that the season suffered from it a little bit, but I think that that's when he recognized that you've got to give him a lot of credit where he's like, hey, we're cutting this out. I'm getting rid of the, the, any of the coaches that are problems. I'm getting rid of any of the players that are problems. We're going to start this whole thing fresh because he even mentioned uh, that as the year went on, there was a time where he felt like when he would talk to the team that not everybody was listening. He said that's the first time he ever felt like that in the middle of the year and when he saw that, he's like, we can't have this. We need to change this and give him credit. He, he did. He changed it. Hopefully it ends up being a lot better for him, but I feel like it was one of the biggest factors, if not the biggest factors, of why Arkansas went 6-6 six and six last year when they were a good enough team to maybe go 9-3. and three.
2: Yeah, it looked from the outside that they didn't ever really rebound or it took them a long time to rebound from the Texas A&M loss. Maybe the way that game sort of unfolded because I think Arkansas felt like it sort of dominated the first two and a half, three quarters and it got away and they just never seemed to bounce back and then Jefferson got hurt and they lost to Liberty and then in the... I think it was one of the reasons people were so surprised with the way Arkansas dominated Ole Miss that night in, in November was that that was a team that had that really month or two long malaise, if you will. Yeah, when they had it clicking, man, Arkansas was a good enough
1: team to, to beat a lot of teams in the SEC. But you mentioned the A&M game. You know, if K.J. Jefferson doesn't try to dive for it from the five-yard line, fumble the ball, and then A&M returns it for a touchdown, that was about to be a 21-0 game, and instead it's 14-7. Changed the entire game, and because of that, I think that there's some confidence that got lost. Uh, It's one thing to lose a game when the other team just beats you, but when you lose a game when you know it's like it was our mistakes that cost us the game, a team can really suffer from it. And with that hard schedule that Arkansas had in front of them, they started to struggle with that. K.J. getting hurt was another thing, and I think that's another reason why Kendall Riles, I like the guy, but the backup quarterback was such a huge drop-off, maybe the biggest drop-off I've ever seen from K.J. to Malik Hornsby or whoever. That they needed to address that and get better quarterbacks in there and get a better coach, and I think that that really set the entire season in a different direction after that game. And that's what Arkansas has to not worry about doing anymore is just when it comes to winning games and closing out games, they got to learn how to win them. They only lost seven; they lost three games last year by combined seven points. I mean, that's the difference between six and six, nine and three. They got to find ways to finish games, make the plays that matter the most, and be mentally tough the entire time because the inconsistencies last year were pretty bad.
2: I know there was some concern in Arkansas that K.J. might leave, might go pro early, might look around, that kind of thing. He stayed. It's kind of become a, not, not legend is the, right, the right word, but certainly a, a high, very high-profile player in, in that program and in that program's history. The knock on him has been decision-making. What's the, what's the move for him from going to being a good quarterback to potentially a great quarterback?
1: Well, that's what I'm hoping that Dan Enos is there for
2: to make him into the uh, type of quarterback he
1: needs to be to get ready for the pros. It's really, it's his reads. That was something that with Riles as his offensive coordinator, everything was done at the line of scrimmage. Everything was done by the coach. like, hey, throw to this guy. This is what's going to be open and everything. But KJ hopefully will learn this year is how when he's back in the pocket looking and looking downfield and seeing his first guy, that's not over the second guy, just going through the reads. Once he figures out how to do that, I think that's what's going to take him to the next step and the next level. And I think that's why Sam Pittman also wanted to hire someone like Danny Enos with what he did you know, at, at Alabama with Jalen Hurts when he was at, at Maryland, too. He's coached really high-profile quarterbacks and made them better. I think that if KJ can just take that next step, just adjust and tweak the little minor things, he's got the athleticism. He's got the arm. He's got the clutch gene. He's got, the, he's got everything you want. But it's those little things in his mind that where if he can get a better decision-making and reader, there's, there's no stopping this kid from being one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, maybe even in the country this year.
2: So Jefferson's back. Sanders is back. It's a really good offensive line. What about the receiving core? They lost a lot of people there. I know they brought in some portal guys. What do you expect in terms of the, the, his targets? It's kind of the biggest question right now because they had some good wide receivers
1: last year, Matt Landers and Jaden Hazelwood, and of course the year before that had Traylon Burke. So had some really big time receivers. And this year, it's almost gonna be more so of like a committee. You got some guys out of the transfer portal, whether it's Isaac Tesla, Andrew Armstrong, uh, Tyrone Broden, big guys, six six guys, but it's kind of an experienced at the level of SEC play. I think that will be something that'll help KJ with those reads and trying to get to those guys and be more spread out. But another factor people have to think about is the tight end position is massively upgraded. You had a guy from North Texas, Marquise Gums, who's coming in as a transfer. Uh, they had two four-star players coming out, out of high school that were tight ends that were some of the best ones in the country. And Dan Enos loves to use tight ends. Brawls didn't use tight ends much, but Enos does. So I feel like just the, not only the wide receiver core, but the tight end position is almost bouncing itself out. Maybe you got a little less big-time play in the wide receiver position, But your tight ends are much better. So, maybe if they balance that out and find some guys that they can go to and be consistent with, uh, at least from the receiving part of it, the team will be much better. What
2: about Travis Williams as a recruiter? He's considered an elite recruiter yet. I don't really know anyone knows what to expect from him as a defensive coordinator. It's sort of the opposite of Barry Odom, where not the greatest recruiter in the world, but widely respected as as a coordinator, is now the head coach at UNLV. They went into the portal pretty heavily on defense. Uh, what, what do you expect from the Razorbacks on that side of the ball?
1: Well, it can't get much worse than uh, dead last in pass defense, because they were awful. I mean, it was giving up over 400 yards a game. It was just, it was horrible. And I think that that's the best situation that you can have Travis Williams walk into. The expectation is just be better than the worst. you know. And with that, it's going to be an improvement no matter what. And he's done a great job in the portal getting some big time defensive backs. I think they have some key guys returning. The cornerbacks have been really solid. Uh, the D line, they've really upgraded. They got Landon Jackson. They got Jeff Koch from Missouri to transfer in. Uh, the linebacker l- losing Drew Sanders and bumper pool is going to be tough, but they got capable dudes that can come in and at least pick up a lot of the slack. So the defense, really, I think, is going to have tremendous steps forward. Uh, schematically, it's almost to the point where, I, at Arkansas, you're never going to have the players schematically that can do what Bama does or Georgia does but can, if you can get a great recruiter that can just get dudes out there that alone will always make the defense middle of the pack they never they don't have to be top five they just have to be a middle of the pack defense they do that they they will win plenty of games and have plenty of success in the SEC and I think that that's what they've done Travis Williams is just bringing a guy who schematically I know nothing about him either but he's done a
2: great job of bringing in better players and that's what Arkansas needs more than anything. When you look at Arkansas' schedule, what are the game or two? What's kind of the time the time period or two that you sort of circle and say, "This is what we'll find out what this team can do." The well, Texas A&M game is always that one. In fact, I
1: went on with uh, the guys over at Texas A&M earlier today, and Ar- since Arkansas and Texas A&M started playing each other in the modern era, it dates back to 2009. And so they played every year since then. Arkansas has won four of those matchups since 2009. Not enough. Every game's been close, but not enough. And in those four seasons, Arkansas had eight wins. 10 wins, 11 wins, and 9 wins. Those are their four best seasons they've had in that span. And all the other seasons were not as good. That A&M game has been the key component to a successful Arkansas season. If they win that game, they have a great year. That's just what the history says. But if they don't, then it becomes either average or below average or whatever. So that game is always going to be the key, especially with Bobby Vitrino now being there and the connections there. I feel like that game, and also the Florida game on the road. They don't play Florida very often. Florida's a, a team, and it's late in November. You don't know if they're going to be good. You don't know if they're bad. They have to replace a lot of guys. But Arkansas has not won in Gainesville since joining the SEC. If they can find finally win both those games, Arkansas is going to have a nine-win season. If they can win one of those games, maybe a seven-eight win season. If they win none of those games, it's going to be a bowl game or less, barely. So those are the two games to me for the most
2: important ones for Arkansas. Last thing, I'm in northwest Arkansas a good bit with – my girls it's a booming area there's a ton of money up there where is Arkansas in a, from an NIL standpoint as it pertains to football and sort of where do you think that that's going in terms of getting the corporate buy-in because that's where that's where all the money's coming from corporate alums that kind of thing how's that where's that shaping up there well, the NIL, I can tell
1: you with full confidence that it's NIL is incredible at Arkansas. They, they have—I don't know where it ranks because none of us know how much money's going on, but I know they're doing a phenomenal job. And if you need any evidence of that, I just tell people look at all the sports at Arkansas and look at their recruiting and transfers since the NIL started, and it's the best that it's ever been. Like Arkansas basketball, for instance, is top-notch recruiting. Baseball's top-notch. Softball's getting a bunch of transfers. Football, again, they may, they may not be top ten, but they're recruiting at a much higher pitch than they ever had before consistently. So the NIL is incredible at Arkansas, and I remember when NIL was first made legal and you could do it, I immediately was like, Arkansas is going to benefit a lot from this. There's so much business, you know, about Walmart and J.B. Hunt and Tyson that's up there. We also know Cherry Jones, a very wealthy former Arkansas Razorback and proud Razorback that is. They have so much connection with money, and to have those benefits and have those opportunities for players, I think it's opened up so many more doors for the University of Arkansas Athletic Department to compete and level the playing field a little bit more with some of the big dogs in this conference and in college football. But They're doing a great job, and uh, I know that uh, they are, they're consistent. They, they pay out their debts of whatever, pay off whatever they promised to kids and during that time, and uh, I think that you'd be hard-pressed to find many teams that are doing better than what Arkansas is doing right now as an athletic department in general.
2: I said last question. Let me squeeze one more in because I just thought of it and I'm curious. Um, Texas and Oklahoma joining the league next year, getting out of this divisional thing. I'm assuming for most Arkansans getting to play Texas, getting to play Oklahoma again is a fun thing, something you're looking forward to?
1: Oh, 100%. Uh, The Texas thing for sure because the history between the two programs and hopefully that ends up being one of the permanent opponents for both teams because I think both – I speak for Texas, but I'll speak for Arkansas. I know Arkansas would love to play Texas in every sport every single year. There's just a rivalry there. The Oklahoma one, because Oklahoma was not in the old Southwest Conference, but Arkansas hasn't played them a whole lot of times. But I will say this, that the fact that Fayetteville is not really close to anything in the SEC. Norman is just a mere three, three and a half hours away. So I think more so than just playing Oklahoma, having a team that's somewhat close to campus, I think it's what most people are looking forward to where, hey, if you play Oklahoma on a football for a Saturday at, say it's a 2.30 CBS game, or not anymore in CBS, but, yeah, 2.30, 3 o'clock game, you can make a day trip over there and be back in time. You know, you can't do that for any other school in the SEC with Arkansas. So I'm looking forward to that. I've never been to a game in Norman never seen Oklahoma, so I'm just personally looking forward to that. But I think Razorback fans overall are welcoming because it's closer. There's history and tradition, and it's just going to feel good to uh, be able to re-spark that energy
2: and that hatred for some of those teams too. John, I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. No problem. Appreciate you, man.